Let's pray over the offering. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us what we need. We thank you that we can give back to you and to our family that might need it and to Alabaster, to all those things, Lord, that represent you and help build your kingdom. We are privileged to be able to give into your kingdom. Please multiply our monies, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is the prop I brought today. It's a dictionary. Now, there are some young people here who probably don't really know how to use a dictionary. It's all Google, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. When I'm, when I'm thinking of a certain verse and I can't remember where it is, I will say, Google, where in Scripture would I find the verse where it says that uh, Gary is a real rascal? And Google tells me. But uh, this dictionary for today is going to help me with the sermon. When I was in school, and probably you too, um, if the teacher said a word that I really didn't recognize, I'd say, what does that mean? I'm in the fifth grade, okay? Mrs. Stauffer, she was so crabby. But anyhow, I would say, what does that mean? And what would she say? What would she say? Tell me. Yes. Look it up, she would say. And then what would I say? Well, how can I look it up if I don't know how to spell it? How, would I, how do you look up a word? You don't have that problem with Google, do you? I, re- I really appreciate, I appreciate Google. But that's what she'd say, look it up. So then you'd get somewhere near where you think it would be. Let's say the word is, um, <coughs> pardon me. Let's say the word is extrapolate. I don't know what extrapolate means. So I go in here and I start looking in the E's and I get the X and I sound it out and I come up with the word. But you see, you have to have something to start with in order to look it up in the dictionary. You have to have a starting place. We're going to talk today about the starting place for Jesus here on earth. And we're going to be in the book of John. And I'm going to be using um, <clears throat> the New King James Version just for today. When Jesus was making himself known to man, he had to have a starting place. And they had never met the Messiah before, and they had heard that there might be a Messiah coming, or there was a Messiah coming. But they they didn't know anything personally about the Messiah. So... Jesus had to give them examples that they would understand. And this is how he began. He began by using everyday things in their lives that they could identify with, that they could picture, that they could imagine. And he came up with seven sayings, seven I am sayings, all found in the book of John. Many had heard 
that the Messiah would come. But what does Messiah really mean? What does the Messiah look like? What will he do? What will he do for me? Because that's what we really want to know, isn't it? About me. Me, me, me. Me. We always want to know what's in it for me. What is the Messiah going to do for me? And this is how Jesus began. The first I am statement is in John 6, 35. And when the pastor listens to this message, he'll be really glad to hear those pages rattling, won't he? He always says that. So we're going to start with 632 and read through 35. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Imagine you're hearing this for the very first time. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said that to you, that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. See, they were thinking about the Israelites in the wilderness and how God provided the manna, how he gave to them, how all they had to do was be there and it showed up. And they wanted that. They wanted it to be easy like that. But Jesus is telling them he is the bread of life. And bread is a dead thing. Bread is, but Christ is living bread. They wanted the dead bread. But Jesus is the living bread. The manna that kept the Israelites alive in the wilderness. But Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He means I am life to your soul. He is bread to this family right here. He is our bread. The disciples wanted to know what sign Jesus would give uh, to strengthen their belief in him. And they talked about the manna, but Jesus is telling them, the one who eats the bread of life will live forever. And not just live forever, but live happily forever, enjoy forever, never hungering or thirsting. That doesn't mean we won't have problems, difficulties, stresses, obstacles to overcome, but we have joy. The joy is in us. The joy is there. All we have to do is concentrate on the joy, and we will never hunger and never thirst. So Jesus said, I am the bread of life. The second I am statement, I am the light of the world, and we find that in John 8, 1 through 12. we're going to read a good bit of scripture today is that all right but jesus went to the mount of olives now early in the morning he came again to the temple and all the people came to him and he sat down and taught them then the scribes and the pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that she should be stoned. 
but what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground and with his finger as though he did not hear them. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw the first stone. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convinced by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have light for life. I know that that's a familiar story to most of you, but it's a beautiful story. Can I get an amen for the word of God? Beautiful story. Jesus was giving light to the Pharisees. He shone a light on their sin and their souls. And at that very moment, they could have turned to him and changed everything. They could have turned to him and accepted that light of the world. And, this, and the whole rest of this New Testament would have been different. But they didn't. They didn't accept that light. They didn't accept, I am the light of the world. But they were ashamed. They walked away. The woman could have walked away too. That was the perfect chance. Her accusers were gone. She could have scooted right on out of there. But she did not leave. And what happened? She was saved. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. We know she was saved because she called him Lord. She was saved. In I I am statements three and four will address together because they speak of sheep, you know us. I am the door for the sheep, and I am the good shepherd. And we'll read from John 10. Pages tell me that you found it. <clears throat> John ten seven through 9. When Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And we'll go in and out and find pasture. I am the door. It's a, it's a beautiful picture of what a shepherd would do. You know, they're out in the wilderness. It's, it's sandy. The ground is hard. There's very little water. There's very little 
few trees to cut down to make a pen for their sheep. So they made these skimpy kinds of pens, um, three-sided and, uh, and maybe just a little opening to get the sheep in so that they could get a little sleep at nighttime, so the shepherd could get a little sleep at nighttime. These were rickety. These weren't great. But it was okay because sheep are easily led. And it didn't take much. Do you ever see a Western where, they, where a cowboy takes that leather and wraps it around the post one time and, you know, moseys on into the saloon? I always wonder why that horse stays there, don't you? But sheep stay. It doesn't take much to corral sheep. But what about the door? Well, they didn't have hinges. What about the door? Jesus is the door. The shepherds are the door. The shepherd would lay himself down across that opening in the pen so that the sheep couldn't get out and so the wolves couldn't get in. How many of you have a job like that? What a job. And Jesus, Jesus is the door. That's why he likened himself to the shepherds. That's why he likened himself to the door. Because he lets people in and he keeps danger out. When we stay close to Jesus, he protects us. He lets in all the things that we need. He lets in good people. He lets in the word. He lets in the Holy Spirit. He lets in, he lets in. And the danger, the things that are going to harm us and hurt us, the sin that so easily befalls us, he, he helps us keep that out. He saved us from that sin. And then he continues to keep us walking toward holiness by his spirit. That's why we're the church of the Nazarene. Did you know that? That's why we're the church of the Nazarene, because we know that holiness is a second step. First, you're saved. And then you become sanctified. And that helps you repel the sin that so easily besets us. Not only did he tell us what to do to be saved, but how to maintain it. I'm so thankful for the church of the Nazarene. But the Pharisees thought they were next to God. Jesus never called himself preacher. He never called himself priest. He never called himself uh, elder. He never called himself any of those titles. He called himself most often, and he loved to call himself one thing. What was it? Shepherd. Shepherd. That's what he loved to call himself over and over and over throughout the New Testament. Shepherd, shepherd, gentle shepherd, good shepherd. He called himself a shepherd because they knew what a shepherd would do for the sheep. He's introducing himself to them. This is what I'll do for you, he said. This is who I am to you, he said. He's saying the same thing to you today. This is who I am. This is what I will do. But the Pharisees valued their spiritual superiority. They valued their place in society. 
it would have been really embarrassing for them to stop and say, wait a minute, I need a shepherd. No, they thought they were next to God. And we all know what the disciples didn't know then. At that time, the disciples didn't know that Jesus would lay down his body. That he would lay down his body to give us a door so that we could approach God personally. So that we could be in heaven. They didn't know how much of a shepherd he really was. But we do. We know. We might let Satan into our lives with neglect. I have done that. I was backslidden at one time for for a terrible amount of time. An unhappy amount of time. A hungry amount of time. We might let Satan in by our neglect. Uh, We might let him in by our disobedience. It happens so easily. We might let him in by being lukewarm. We might get spit out of his mouth for being lukewarm. But if we stay close to Jesus, if we stay close, remember to stay close, remember to stay close, those things will not get us because he is the door and he protects us. Jesus gives his life so that the sheep can live forever. And there's none so skillful and none so gentle. And of course, I love to say gentle because this is Gentle Shepherd Church of the Nazarene. The fifth I am statement, I am the resurrection and the life. He said this to Martha just before he raised Lazarus from the dead. We'll find that in John chapter 11. Oh, look, a handsome man bringing me water. Thank you, honey. Uh, John eleven twenty four through 27. Martha said to him about, about Lazarus, her brother, Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? He asked Martha, do you believe this? And I'm asking you, do you believe this? Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. I believe, she said. Jesus exhibited his tender mercy in this, in this moment. He groaned in his spirit. If we read on, he groaned in his spirit out of sadness for Mary and Martha. He asked, where have you laid him? Where have, can you hear that? Where have you laid him? The tears of Jesus. What's the shortest verse? 
Jesus wept. That's right. Everybody knows that one. His great compassion for our sake. Jesus became the resurrected Christ. And you know what? He went on to suffer much more than Mary and Martha ever could have imagined. Lazarus died and was brought back. Jesus died horribly, horribly violently, and resurrected. But now we'll talk about the most dangerous words that Jesus ever said on earth. John chapter 14. You see how he's bringing them along? You see how these words get uh, stronger and stronger as he goes? Revealing more and more of himself through these examples? John chapter 14, verse 1 through 6. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. How many of you know that if you were to say that at an office party, you'd be ostracized? I mean, there are many places that we go that if you said that, even if you said it about Jesus, not yourself like he is saying, but if you said Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except by him, you could be in trouble in this day and age. The Pharisees highly resented They became murderous when they heard Jesus say that he was the way, the truth, and the life. These words right here, these words right here are what gave them the ammunition to kill him. He said them, he said them boldly, he said them proudly, he said them for our sake, and they killed him. But people sincerely want to believe, sincerely want to believe that being good is enough. I'm a good person. I'm on the PTA. I give to the uh, local shelter. I'm a good person. I don't cuss. I don't chew. I don't go with the boys that do. (laughs) I am sincerely a good person. But let me tell you something. When I drive through Pittsburgh, if I don't have my GPS on, I am sincerely going to get lost. I am so bad at directions, my husband says to me, Kathy, just figure out which way you think you ought to go and go the other way. (laughs) 
And that's the truth. It happens all the time. I'll be absolutely sure that if I go this way, I'll end up in Mercer. But it's that way. I do it all the time. But I do thank God for GPS on a regular basis. Do you know that being uh, directionally challenged is hardwired in your brain? It's like being uh, colorblind. Uh, I, I did a class on uh, the brain one time, and, and uh, we had to uh, map the brain. It's the same thing. If you can't see the difference between brown and blue, you can't make, no matter how sincere you are, you can't make yourself see the difference between brown and blue. And I can't figure out which way is north and which way is south unless I can see the river. Well, people who are absolutely sure that they are good people and they can go to heaven aren't mistaken. There's only one way. I want you to say that with me. I'll say it first and then we'll say it together. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Ready? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by Jesus. Jesus. That's the only way. These were the words that led Jesus to the cross and to our chance for eternal life. Because of his sacrifice. Jesus uses one more I am statement. One more ordinary thing that he used to describe who he is. Let's turn to John chapter 15, verse 1. I don't, I don't even have to change, turn the page. Jesus says, I am the true vine. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may be more, there may be more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in me. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Jesus is telling his disciples what they have to do. Remain faithful no matter what. I am the vine. We are connected now. We have this connectedness now. And even when Jesus would go to be with his father, they would still have that connectedness. And we have that connectedness. He says to them, bear fruit. You are fruit. You are fruit. You are fruit. Apples, oranges, peaches, plums, bananas. You are fruit. Some of them are rotten. But you are all fruit. And you're supposed to make fruit. Make fruit. Tell the world about Jesus. I am the vine, you are fruit. Now go and make more fruit. And did you notice that in that passage, it's not just fruit. It's also, it's some fruit, but then it's more fruit, and then it's much fruit. You see those levels? 
some fruit, more fruit, much fruit. If we stay close to the vine. And these are the seven sayings of Jesus. And you've probably heard a sermon before, maybe twice or three times, where all seven of these things were put together the way he put them together for the disciples. They paint beautiful pictures of who Jesus is. And I don't know how we couldn't love him knowing all of this. Knowing all of this, how could we not love him? How could we not believe him? How could we want the things of the world more than we want Jesus, who is all of these things and more? There's one more I am saying. When I was a backslider, I found this statement. And I don't know why it isn't always included. In, I don't know why it's not included in these sayings. But if you turn to Matthew chapter 8, verse 3, I'll show you. Another I am statement. When he had come down from the mountain... Great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing. I am willing. Be cleaned. Immediately, his leprosy left him. He was cleansed. It's so personal. It's so personal. Have you seen the the series, The Chosen? Has anybody seen that? How many have seen that? Yeah, it's really good. It's it really glorifies God. And in that, in one of the scenes there, this it shows this leper. And you know, he didn't walk up to Jesus because lepers couldn't do that. They had to shudder and cry, unclean! But health and strength and manhood came at the touch of the Nazarene. That's from a poem my dad taught me. Um, this leper came upon Jesus suddenly. The Bible says suddenly. Didn't it, didn't it say suddenly? Now it says and behold, in this version, in, uh, in the uh, NIV, it says suddenly. So, you know, um, this, this leper was desperate. This, des- this uh, leper was, uh, he certainly wasn't doing any of the things that he was supposed to do as a leopard. He was leper. He was supposed to cross the other side of the road. They lived outside the city. I mean, they were considered filthy and and leprosy was not curable and that's why they didn't see doctors they only went to priests because they believed that leprosy was so terrible only a priest and only God could heal you 
This leper was desperate. And in that show, uh, The Chosen, uh, it shows this leper, and, and his sleeves are ragged and torn because he can't buy and he can't sell. He can't enter the marketplace. He's skinny and wretched. He's dirty. And their hair was unkempt. And they, they had to leave it that way because everybody wanted them to be ashamed. They wanted them to be ashamed. They wanted them to look like what they were, unclean. And so this, this leper must have been so desperate. Have you ever been desperate? I was desperate. I was desperate. So I can really understand when I saw that man fall on his knees and reach out to Jesus with his ragged, tattered, filthy clothes. With the tears running down his face, I I know how he felt. I know how he felt. And he said, Lord, if you would heal me. If you are willing, if you are willing, I would be healed. And Jesus reached out and touched him and said, I am willing. I don't know if there are any sweeter words in the world. If you are far from God, those are the words you want to hear. I am willing. It doesn't take much to be out of the will of God. It's so easy. It comes naturally to us. All we have to do really is stop reading the word. Stop going to church. This doesn't apply to anybody here because you're here, right? You're here. But we get so distracted in this world, don't we? We get busy. We, we get wrapped up in other things. We get sidetracked by grief. We get sidetracked by the worry of money. We get sidetracked by uh, focusing so much on our kids that we forget that Jesus is Lord. We get sidetracked so easily. And all of these things that can happen to us can separate us from God in such a wretched way. I was wretched. Maybe you were too. Maybe you are now. Maybe you're not happy with yourself now at all. Maybe you're very disappointed in yourself and your relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're just going through the motions. Maybe you're here even today or online and and you don't know how to get back. Well, you have to be sincere because we can extrapolate from what we read today that Jesus is always willing to welcome people in through the door, to welcome them back through the door. He's willing. The most precious words, he is willing.
are you asking? Are you asking for what you need? He's the answer. And he's willing. Will you stand with me? Say this with me. He is willing. He is willing. He is willing. He is willing. The way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what it means to each of us as we hear it. And I pray that, Lord, that your words will penetrate the hearts of everyone in this room and everyone listening online. You are so worthy, Lord. We, we need to give you all of our respect, all of our attention, all of our lives, Lord. I pray, Father, that your word has pierced the hearts listening today. And I pray, Father, that your word will live in them. I pray, Father, that as we end this service, there won't be one who won't utter what they need so that you can say, I am willing. I am willing. I am willing. If you haven't bowed your heads, please do so. Is there someone here today that has never been saved, has never known what it's like to be saved by the Lord Jesus Christ? Is there anyone here? I'm not going to linger. I'm not going to take a long time. You're either in or you're out. You're not a good enough person to go to heaven. You're either in or you're out. I tell you this because I love you. Even those of you that I don't know, I love you. I love you because you are human beings in this, in this life with us. I love you because there is a hell and it's a horrible place and I don't want to see anyone go there and it's real. Is there anyone who's never known the Lord Jesus Christ that will raise their hand? I will not embarrass you. I will just pray for you. Anyone? Anyone? Three, two, one. Is there anyone who has become lukewarm? Anyone who is not as close to the Lord as they would like to be? Is there anyone who can say, I need more of Jesus? I need more of Jesus. I need him. Yes, I see that hand. God bless you. Is there anyone who can say, I need more of Jesus? I see those hands. God bless you. I see those hands. Thank you. Yes, I see that hand. Thank you. Praise God. I see that hand. Thank you. Praise God. Praise God. He loves you so much. Oh, what he's done for us. What he's done for us. And he says to every one of you that raised your hand, and this is the last pass, anyone else, anyone else, Yes, I see that hand. I see those tears. I see that hand. Three, two, one. 
Heavenly Father, you saw those hands. You saw those hands, Lord. They were reaching up. Oh, Lord, I pray that they have already felt you grasp onto their hand. I pray, Father, that they already felt it because we know that you are willing. You are always willing. You are willing over and over. You are willing 70 times 7. Praise your holy name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for allowing us to draw closer to you. Thank you for reaching down and grabbing us closer to you. We just can't do life without you, Lord. We can't. Thank you for being willing. And now, like the leper that day on the mountainside, I say to you, you are clean. You are clean. You are clean in Jesus' name. Amen. You are dismissed.